Michelle. Welcome, welcome. You're back, or maybe it's your first time. Thanks for coming and tuning in to the Essential Impact Podcast. I am thrilled today to have Bruce Swan with us on the show. Bruce is a very funny guy. He loves to dance, which means we speak the same language. And I really appreciate that about Bruce. I also appreciate the fact that he's a professional certified coach. He's a certified executive coach. He's got 30 years of senior executive experience as both president and CEO of many hospitals, the Royal Ottawa being the most recent. He's a coach and facilitator in Leeds with the Canadian College of Health Leaders and is on the accreditation team for Canadian hospitals. He's a lot of fun. He's a very experienced guy. He's an awesome coach, and I'm happy that we get to have a chat. Maybe we can dance later, Bruce. Welcome, Bruce Swan. And Bruce, we are going to have a chat today about leadership. But first of all, I'd like you to give a wee bit of an introduction as to who is Bruce Swan. Well, I guess in a nutshell, I'm, I'm a person who um, leadership is really a, a passion of mine. I've worked in the healthcare system for many years and um, at the senior executive level, and uh, I learned a lot about leadership there. Uh, I've also learned about leadership in the home um, and um, what sometimes works in work doesn't always work at home. But one common thing that I guess comes to mind for me is that um, the leader needs to model the way. And that's always that's easier said than done. Um, but I guess um, a bit of my background, uh, I've graduated from three different universities uh, in different programs. And um, I didn't really catch on to leadership until probably the last few years where it became more of a focused topic in my uh, walk. But that's kind of who I am. And uh, that, that's where... Um, I guess when I think of leadership, that's, that's where I would uh, focus my time. And so, Bruce, uh, I know you're a credentialed coach. You're a certified executive coach from Royal Roads University. And I know you have a fellowship. And so can you just describe your other credentials for me, just for interest sure. for people? Okay. Um, I have a Bachelor of Commerce with honors from Queen's University. And I have a graduate uh, diploma in hospital administration from the University of Toronto. And uh, I did the uh, executive coaching program, which is a graduate certificate in executive coaching from Royal Road University in Victoria. And I took that program to learn how to shift culture when I was the president and CEO of the Royal Ottawa Healthcare Group. Um, and I guess um, what drew me to that was it was uh, I tried everything I knew in the book about shifting culture and it really wasn't working. And so taking the executive coaching program taught me how to uh, listen and listen on many levels and really hear the music that's being played rather mm-hmm. than just uh, making assumptions, which I had a tendency to do. 
Um, so that's that part. My fellowship, I did my fellowship in the Canadian College of Health Leaders, and uh, I focused that fellowship on uh, the integration of mental health. Um, when I was uh, the executive lead for the integration of mental health services for Southern Alberta, working for the Calgary Health Region. And um, I had a coach when I was there, but I ha was not learning how to use coaching. But I had a coach, and um, the organization hired, hired coaches for all of us and the senior team. And it helped me show up differently in order to get our subjects on the agenda. Because uh, mental health was considered more of a poor cousin, and we had a hard <laughs> time getting our topics on the corporate agenda. And so by me shifting how I showed up and be moving into being more uncomfortable, um, we ended up at the end of the time I was there, we became the first uh, accredited mental health, integrated mental health system in Canada. Uh, and wow. I believe part of that was because of the leadership um, and the coaching certainly helped me show up differently. And my team kept saying, you got to step into this more for us because they could see that heart health and cancer care and women's health and children's health all seemed to get the nice fuzzy things. But we, uh, in mental health, we were kind of the poor cousin and, you know, we were seen as sometimes the block in the system. So mm. I guess in a nutshell, that's kind of really uh, my background. But I've been a leader in healthcare in British Columbia for 18 years, in Alberta for five years, Manitoba for three years, and in Ontario for uh, five years. And so, and always at the senior executive level. And um, then I've been a surveyor for Accreditation Canada, which accredits the health system. And uh, I, after I became a coach, I took the coach approach into how I did accreditation surveys. And what I found, it gave me the um, ability to engage uh, people to tell their story about how they were meeting the national standards. And then I was able to capture a lot of information that people wouldn't normally say because mm -hmm. you create that safe environment for people to put out on the table, whatever there is. And, and that's really where the, the coach approach um, and I call it now the coach approach to leadership comes in is that it's a very, um, I guess um, it's a way to engage people in a way that they will get where they need to go without the leader telling them um, mm -hmm. and solving the problem for them because within them, they have the capacity and they're very capable. And so right. that's, that's kind of how I see it. Lovely. Um, so I also know when you're saying about mental health, um, I think one of the things I know about you is that when you were working with the Royal Ottawa, um, you helped move that big old dark building from the way back off the street where, you know, mental health used to reside in Canada to right up on the main drag and a beautiful lit up full of glass 
you know, building that is really state of the art. And really, in my mind, and listening to what you're saying now, is kind of the metaphor of we've come out of the darkness to here we are. You know, this is as valuable and or as important as any other uh, health issue. And we're going to sit up here and take our spot in that, um, on that main road there. Would that, does that describe the right thing that you were in the middle of there? Um, yes, it does. What we did, we were, um, the original Royal Ottawa Hospital, and it was called the Royal Ottawa Hospital, was um, a sanatorium in the early days, uh, converted into mental health. So it was different pavilions. Um, and our vision for mental health was to create um, a mental health center, not a hospital, that would be friendly, a friendly environment for people to come in and go out. Um, and it was, we got rid of all the old buildings and mental health, as you said, was moved right up to the front on Carling Avenue. So it's a new construction on Carling Avenue um, that really focuses on uh, helping people with long-term uh, mental health issues, uh, be they in geriatric, forensic, or um, uh, adult psychiatry. And, um, and then we networked across the community to build that capacity. Um, and I guess once I did the coach training, what I began to realize that if I as the CEO would take the coach approach uh, to working with the people that I was leading, um, I was building capacity in them and also building succession planning uh, for the organization without naming their parent to any position because the coach approach engages people to figure out what it is they need to do to resolve whatever the issue is. And um, so I, I think uh, it's become a center of excellence. Um, and, you know, there are many people that we would see in our political arenas that have frequented uh, the Royal Ottawa because it is... Uh, in the capital city of Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's go way back for a minute, Bruce. So this is, this is where your career has been in the last half a decade or decade. Let's go back to the very beginning for a moment. When you think of leadership, so I also know you were um, the CEO, if that's what we call it, have the Armstrong Hospital in British Columbia. When you think of way back to those days, what drew you to leadership in the first place? Like what, what had you say, this is where I need to keep, put my skills and talents? Well, um, I think what drew me to leadership is I, I like to see uh, people um, come together and achieve what it is they want to do. And I like to be part of that. And I think when I think back on it now, it goes back to even when I was in high school. Um, I was mm -hmm. the youth leader in our church. Um, we did all kinds of things. Like I, I was always on in a leadership role, whether it was the executive or whatever, but it was to bring people together um, to get to know one another, but also to accomplish something together. 
also um, when I think of, I think it's always been there, but it became more of a focus as my life and career moved on. And I think um, what excites me about leadership is that there's never one day the same. Um, <laughs> and with people, um, like when I was focusing on whether to go into hospital administration or not, I, in, I interviewed the CEO of Kingston General Hospital at the time. And, and he said to me, it's no bed of roses, but if you like people, you'll probably like it. Um, so I shifted my whole career because I was going to be an accountant. Um, and I shifted <laughs> my whole career and thought, you know, I, I'm more of a people person than I am a numbers person. And so that's where um, I ended up going. Um, and then I went down the pathway to hospital administration um, and did that program and then had been in pretty much leadership roles ever since. But I was a leader in my workplace, but also um, I was, you know, a leader in, you know, the church we went to. I was the chairman of the board. We operated a private school. I was the chairman of that. So I, I saw opportunities to bring uh, people together. And like leadership is all about influence. And I believe you can influence from any position regardless of title. Um, in organizations, we tend to think, oh, well, those people with the title beside their name are the leaders or the, they're the leadership. But what I've learned is, uh, over the last um, number of years is that leadership is all about influence. And some of the most influential people are the people that are working the front lines. And I always believe mm. that if I want to shift something and change something in an organization, just have, spend some time and have coffee with people that work the front lines and ask some questions. And it's amazing what you hear. And they're the ones that know what needs to change if leaders are serious about shifting where things are at. So when you say that, Bruce, that, that's interesting. What what's the difference now? Well, let's jump ahead. You know, we're going to go back and forth for a minute. So way back to the beginning days, somebody that knew you then, and it sounds like you even thought then about talking to people on the front line and, and influencing from the place you're at. Um, what would be the difference that somebody might see now and say, oh, you know, Bruce's leadership was like this then, and now I see the shift. What would that shift be? Well, I think the shift would be um, now, after I've been a coach for a number of years, is that I am holding this space and asking questions um, as opposed to jumping in and offering solutions. Because I had a tendency to do that. And that was the first thing I learned the first week at Royal Roads was that you just need to hold the space and listen. And the person that's working through the issue, they'll, they'll get where they need to go. And it'll be a spot where it'll work for them, uh, not so much. Mm. So I think that's what people would notice. But I think what they would see as being the same <clears throat> is that 
I, even before I became a coach, I still connected with people. And I always mm -hmm. felt in a leadership role, the people that are working for you within an organization need to see the leadership. So I always did what I call these walkabouts, where I just spontaneously go for a walk and sit down and have a chat with people. And um, since I became a coach, the difference there was I would go and sit down and I'd ask questions like, so tell me, what's working well for you today? People would answer that. I'd say, okay, so what would you like to see different? And quite often people would say to me, uh, I'm surprised you'd ask that question. You know, cause, mm -hmm. And what I saw was that there was an engagement because these people do have ideas. And, uh, and I think as leaders, our goal is to engage people in a way to help plan the battle instead of battling the plan. <laughs> and so here's, here's what I'm kind of hearing in that is that in your mind, it's always been about the people, how you influence the people. You used to think more that it had to do with you know, I want to see them move forward and get to where they want to go. And my value in that would be to tell a little more. Um, and what has shifted is to say, and now uh, it's still about the people. It's still about the influence of the people in all parts of the organization, but not missing the people at the front line. And now for me to actually hold space to help them sort it out, actually supports them being engaged in a different way. We kind of talk about engagement, not compliance, but engaged in a different way so that things can change and go so that your value actually as a leader is to support them in being engaged in their work as opposed to just telling them, here's an answer, go do it. Well, and when you say that, what came to my mind right away was I when I used to tell people what to do, I was carrying the monkeys on my back. And what I mm. learned very quickly is I engaged people uh, by using the coach approach. Um, they carried them. And I found going home at night, I didn't have as many sleepless nights. Um, you know, because when you're also wanting to do everything, it, uh, you carry that weight where um, you're sharing the weight. And as the leader, uh, being a coach type leader, um, you're sharing that with the people you're leading. But at the end of the day, you're holding them, the ones you're coaching, capable that you know, they can carry this ball and they can make it work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've actually heard you somewhere along the line um, in some of your leadership stuff, make a comment. I don't want to misquote you, so I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but something to the effect of we are holding people capable and to the jobs they hold title to and also get paid for. Yes, and, and well, and the, the coach approach actually, I believe, as we hold them capable, then they actually live up to the position they hold title to um, and they fulfill it. Where um, 
if we take that away, or if in my case, if I take that away by making the decisions for them, what I, going back in years, used to experience, oh, well, you tell them, go and do A, B, or C, and they come back and say, well, I tried that, didn't work. Um, mm. And so by shifting, and the, when people would share, well, what the issue was, their problem was, okay, so what would you like um, that to look like? And uh, you engage them in a conversation, and they figure out what it is. Because at the end of the day, we've hired the right people, but we're not allowing mm -hmm. them to follow through and learn from what works or doesn't work, but let them make that choice. And uh, what I found in healthcare is that we are so regulated and so hierarchical in many respects. People were always expecting that the people with the titles were the ones that would make all the decisions. But that isn't mm. the way it should be. So when you say that, how do you make that shift? How does, I'm not asking you to fix the healthcare issues in Canada in two minutes or less, but <laughs> how do you make that shift in, in helping them help make the decisions and move things? Because you said earlier that you think they're also the ones that see what needs to happen. So how do we make that shift in, as leaders in healthcare? Well, I think how we make the shift is we, we actually stay curious and ask some open-ended questions that engages the person to share what's going on for them. And as we listen in here, we know within them they've got what it takes to um, make the shift or make the decision. So I think as leaders, we need to hold the space. And that's easier said than done, uh, especially when we're mm. working in a high-paced environment where people want decisions right away. Um, it's to take the time and park the talk or the chatter that goes on to say, oh, yeah, I've got all the right answers for this person. Mm -hmm. To take the time. And if it's only 15, 20 minutes, that's time that's well invested where that person has had your full undivided attention. And when we're doing that, they're saying, well, you know, this organization or this leader cares for me. They're asking me what I think. And what I see is an engagement level goes up significantly. Um, and at the end of the day, we're sharing the load rather than it all being on one person's shoulders. That everybody's making the shift and everything's mm -hmm. moving forward together, which is what you said at the beginning of why you like leadership. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so about I'm, moving forward. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just, well, it's interesting to me. So I, there's just a couple of times that I think you have really, um, modeled your leadership that I'm aware of, and I just want to um, comment on a couple of them. But one of them, I, I don't think there was a, necessarily a different outcome, but I know at one point a senator had asked you to um, come and be part of some kind of a group 
in Canada around mental health. And at that time, you didn't feel, you know, that you were, you know, in a, in a particular place uh, to be able to do that. But to me, that says that they're seeing something in you that tells them this is a great leader. Nobody phoned me to ask me to do it. <laughs> that you're a great leader in this country and in this particular place around mental health. And I'm just curious as to what would you say that, that this, this or these senators uh, thought that they saw in you that might be different than other people? Well, I think what they would see is that I am good at gauge, engaging people, but I'm also a, a visionary leader um, that gets results. And, you know, uh, uh, what I say is that it's being clear on where you want to get to. So what, what's our vision? Where are we headed? And uh, what's gonna, what is it going to take for us to get there? Um, mm-hmm. And it's mapping out the game plan to get there. So I think that's what I see separate apart. But I say that, and it's not just me. It's leading the team. And it's getting the right players on board and engaging them to figure out what this plan is. And I think that's what they would see would be uh, a difference. So I'm, I'm just going to make an assumption here, and you correct me. It sounds like you're saying, and we would have, the team would have a vision. Uh, the team knows the direction that they're headed. The team is going to work together at trying to figure out how to get there. And what I'm adding to what you've already said is, and when you take a coach approach to that, engage people uh, to that leadership, that you do, in fact, get the results that you're looking for. We do, because the people that are engaged, they, they grasp onto the vision, and the vision is developed together. So that the leader sets the space for developing the vision. So if I think of the, the work I did in Alberta, our vision was a mentally healthy population. Mm. It forced us to look upstream and see what were the drivers. And, um, but I didn't set that. It was set by us as a team, by having input. So you having conversation and dialogue around what would we like to see? But once we got it, like people said, wow, this is huge. And um, so the feedback we got was, well, you know, aren't we here just for the severe and persistently mentally ill? And we said, well, no, we're here to serve the population. Everybody is touched by mental health in one form or another throughout their lifetime. And so we're keeping the big picture in mind. But it was the team that put that together. And then our mission was to boldly build an integrated mental health system. And that's what we did. Um, And that's the outcome of that was being accredited as the first integrated mental health system in the country. Um, But it, it was the leadership that allowed the space for that to happen. But also um, it, uh, we were doing things different. We weren't following status quo. We challenged mm-hmm. status quo and um, said, well, this can be different. And so I think that's what set us apart. And that's what 
the people saw when they recruited me to go to, to uh, the Royal Ottawa was what we were doing was different. And it's very impactful. Um, but it comes back to how uh, successful we are at engaging people wherever they're at. And my bias is that the coach approach is the most powerful way to engage people on a journey to whatever it is they're headed to. Um, and they'll get there. And they'll get there on mm -hmm. their terms. And it'll be what they want. And so it also sounds to me like you're saying that it's also a vulnerable place to be leadership. That, mm -hmm. you know, you, you were bold, you stepped out, you did something different. You, um, you know, you bucked the status quo. And in that, you know, you're still headed in a place where together you decided you wanted to go, which also sounds like then they not only willingly, but enthusiastically went with you to the vision that they'd all created together. And it is a very vulnerable place uh, to be a leader in those kind of situations. I'm glad you used the word vulnerable because it, it truly is in a leadership role. If you want to do something different, it is <laughs> it's a vulnerable spot to be in. Because when we were making this shift, when I was at the Royal Ottawa, I had different ones saying, well, what research has been done to say that this is the way we should do things? <laughs> mm. And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> because all I could do is believe in people and engage them. And maybe we were creating the research. Mm. And, nice. and that puts people in an awkward spot because they think, oh, well, you know, it, has, it hasn't been documented. It's been done somewhere else. Well, why does it need to be? We can learn as long as we're not violating anything that is ethically or morally or policy or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. It's a clean slate. How do we want to get there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the courage in that, uh, to be that leader, is huge. And, and I'm going to stretch and say, um, and also in the expectation you have, or sounds like you were having, in your teams to also stretch out and be vulnerable and have the courage to say, yeah, let's not wait for the research necessarily, let's be the research. Let's move this forward because... What we're doing now, there's lots of it that's very good. And what can we do to make it even better? That whole good to great place. Well, and, and that's true. And the, the vulnerable part is stepping out and doing something or trying something that may not have been tested somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, but that's an exciting spot to be in. And that's where our growing edges usually are. Is where you because mm -hmm. when you're doing something different, you think, oh well, I tried that this time, but what did I learn that, that worked well? What didn't work so well? Mm -hmm. And we learn so from that. And build on that. Sorry. Well, and yes, life is a learning lab. We learn on that and we build on that. Totally. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So I've got kind of a funky story about you that um, I think is I think is really cool, and I think it speaks to some of these things that we've just been talking about about the courage to be a leader, and then also encouraging and influencing others around you to be leaders in something. Um, and you may not yet know what I'm talking about, but I have heard a story about you that um, starts with you liking dancing. Now that I did know about you. <laughs> Uh, Bruce loves to dance, and um, and at one point, as the CEO of the Royal Ottawa Hospital, you said to yourself at a fundraiser, hey, I'm the CEO. If I can't ask her to dance, who can? So you wandered across the room, and who did you ask to dance, and what was what did you ask them to step up to? Well, I asked Margaret Trudeau to dance. And and she danced with me, and we had a lot of fun on the dance floor. And um, <laughs> Margaret is a a lovely person, and um, I just um, am so grateful to have met her uh, on her journey to recovery. And um, and so it was it was fun, and people saw that, and I thought, who cares? We're just going to have fun. <laughs> so we did. <laughs> awesome. But, but it's part of leadership, you know. And, and, you know, I was quite surprised when she referenced me in her book, you know, um, because mm-hmm. I did an interview with her. Um, and um, it was about sharing her story because uh, it was so impactful. Um, and so she was... Uh, willing to do that and has done a lot for mental health across or well actually around the world by Mm -hmm. her being vulnerable and stepping up and being willing to share her story and her journey to recovery. So, yeah. And so the the link that uh, I'm just want to emphasize a bit that you didn't really touch on was like you said, you had fun dancing together and she said, I'd like to come and talk with you. Um, and was, you know, well on her journey, obviously, to recovery, and um, came in to visit you at the hospital then and said, what can I do? Like, I have benefited, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And your leadership in that moment, as opposed to just saying, you know, well, you're Margaret Trudeau, you're, you know, one of our prime ministers, you know, Pierre Trudeau, you were his wife, you know, he's obviously not the prime minister anymore, but... um, you know, you just sort of going along, maybe you could tell the odd person here and there or share with your friends. You actually encouraged her and said to her, because um, this is also what she says in her book, um, you know what, Margaret, it would, do, uh, it would do wonders and a wonderful thing if you actually became public about your journey and that even the prime minister's wife can have issues like anybody else in the world uh, around mental health. And, uh, and she literally stepped up to that, stepped up to the calling of you talking to her about being courageous, being vulnerable. You gave her the space to talk about it, to, you know, maybe get right in her own mind about what, what this was, you know, going to be all about. Um, and so to me, that's also a little bit about what we've been talking about with leadership too. So, you know, you were asking others, so this is, in your work life, but in your sort of social life as well as public life, um, how much we do ask people to 
also step up. Like, I'm not going to go on this journey alone, and we can do it together. And here's space for you, Margaret, to do this. And I encourage you to be bold and be courageous and vulnerable and go and do it. And had to become a leader in that sense. Well, and actually that's, I think, the exciting part in leadership is uh, seeing within people, they have what it takes to um, move forward or in Margaret's case, to tell her story um, and engage with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I guess one of the things I'm hearing in that is leaders also leave room for other leaders. Leaders also mm-hmm. encourage other people to lead in their own space, life, situation, level, I don't know what all you want to call it. Um, that, that, <laughs> so here's a, here's a stretch, but that you're not threatened by others also stepping up to and supporting being leaders in where we all want to get to on something. And in this case, it was in mental health. Would well, you say I, that is? Yeah. And as you say that, what, what I'm visualizing, it's leading from alongside. Um, and mm. that's kind of how I've always been a leader. Like, yeah, I may be the, the CEO or the chair of the whatever, uh, but it's leading from alongside, recognizing that each of us have bring our individual strengths uh, to the team. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all equal. It's not a hierarchical thing, even though in, in organization charts, uh, we see a hierarchical formation. But I like to believe that um, we're all at the same level. And yes, at the end of the day, people would say to me, well, the buck has to stop somewhere. Um, and yes, mm-hmm. it always did. It stop, stopped at my desk. But um, And if I had to make a tough decision, um, I would do it. But I do it with having input before we got there. And so I, I see it as a... I guess what I'm trying to say is visualizing leading alongside of, as opposed to mm-hmm. above. That's a wonderful visual. Yeah. Yeah. And still taking, as I hear you say, responsibility and accountability for mm. what's at the end. Yes. Because at the end of the day, it, you know, when I was the CEO, I was still accountable and accountable to the board of directors on the direction the organization was going in and, whether we were accomplishing what we needed to do. Um, So accountable for that. But at the end of the day, um, to get there, I think the most powerful way is to lead from alongside. Recognizing Mm -hmm. that there are times where you do have to assert your authority. Um, And the analogy is like when you're raising children, like you can... uh, tell them what to do for a certain period of their life. But as they get older, it's shifting more to walking alongside and then periodically, you know, uh, shifting in and being clear on the direction. Mm -hmm. And wonderful. I know you have two grown daughters that are married and uh, two feisty little redhead grandsons. (laughs) What, um, What do you... How do you model coaching, not coaching, sorry, how do you model leadership um, for them in their lives and these little guys? Well, I think the most powerful thing 
is for me to listen and to reflect on what I'm hearing. Um, and um, that's what I've been doing with them. And, you know, they um, know they can ask me anything. Um, and it's a safe spot to have those conversations. Um, and mm. so I think from a leadership perspective, it's even with my grandchildren, it's holding the space for them because they're people just like I am or other people are. And they need to be heard. It's that being seen, heard, and understood. Mm -hmm. And and I like the word that you just too, like, you know, they have their own value and their own um, Mm -hmm. needs. And just because the org chart is different and you have different accountability maybe for their sleep or their, you know, different org things in in an organization, um, that doesn't mean that everybody doesn't want to be part of something and contribute. Um, more than just collecting their paycheck or, or whatever, and children are not different. Mm-hmm. So speaking well, of children for just a... Oh, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so speaking of children, I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning um, that you felt that you learned, you know, things about leadership from work and, and home and your life. So I think I have this right. You have one brother, nine or ten sisters? Uh, eight. Oh, eight. Well, then ten altogether, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm number ten. <laughs> You're number ten. So mm-hmm. what did you learn in growing up in a home with eight sisters and uh, one older brother and being number ten in line? What did you learn about leadership? Well, um, I think what I learned was from my mother and father was that um, they cared for all of us equally. Mm. And um, I think that's probably the most powerful thing I've learned that whatever groups you're working with is you treat them as equals. And, um, and my, my parents were very caring. They weren't perfect like any parents aren't, but, um, (laughs) but they actually, uh, I think taught us the value of giving um, and taught us the value of working um, and holding our end up, whatever it was. Um, and that, um, you know, to live today for today because tomorrow may not be here. Mm. Mm. So the value of seeing everybody in the family, the organization, the enterprise, the whatever company as equal value um, and just in different places and doing different things um, in their work or their job. Because I imagine you had different chores and things (laughs) than the oldest at times. Well, yes, we all, like we were, we were raised on a farm, so we all had our, our jobs to do on the farm. But my father also was quite entrepreneurial, so he um, ran a bus company as well as uh, had his own garage where he became a licensed mechanic and did mechanical work in the garage. And he also did custom work, like uh, 
thrashing and combining and stuff. So um, I learned from him that, you know, you diversify and you've got more things mm -hmm. uh, so that um, you're able to, to make uh, things happen as you need to. Mm -hmm. And he obviously was doing something right because didn't he not live to 106 or 7 or something? Uh, he was 107 and 6 months right to the day. Wow. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. And he sold, <laughs> he sold his business at age 97. And when he turned 90, <laughs> I said, Dad, don't you think you should get a power of attorney? And his response was, what do I need that for? <laughs> So, <laughs> so anyway, we have lots of laughs about it, and and we're a family that sticks together. You know, like um, through thick or thin, doesn't matter what's going on. Everyone's there to support each other, and uh, they've always been that way. And and that's something I learned from my parents because in the early days before community centers and stuff, they opened up their house and they would have uh, square dances in the house and the community would come and it became a community center once a month for get togethers for the community. So it, it's, um, I think we all grew up with that as children. And so we didn't mm -hmm. know anything different than, you know, community and holding um, faith for each other. And how wonderful, because that's really a lot of also what you've talked about is that they had a vision for community. And they already had a big community at home, but more than those 10 or the 12 of you, um, you know, to have something that everybody was part of. So in that, they stepped out and said, hey, let's do it at our house. Let's take some responsibility for what it is we're looking for, which is community. And uh, yeah, that's very cool. Great action. That'd be fun with all those people. <laughs> um, I have like two more questions. Go for it. Um, and so... One of them is, I've heard a lot, you know, these days people saying things about servant leadership. And I'm just curious as to your reaction to that, uh, what it means for you and, you know, what the value may or may not be in it. Well, actually, I like the term. Servant leader is actually part of leadership is giving. And the mm. servant part is modeling the way. And what I've learned over the years is that whatever we model, those we are leading are modeling the same thing. So if we give and take the servant's attitude, and I think it's partly an attitude, is that you're there to give, and in giving, you're leading. Um, and it comes back to that word engagement. It's how are we engaging people to be part of what it is we're wanting to achieve. And, and I think that ties in with um, the servant attitude and the walking alongside. Mm -hmm. Yes, it totally sounds to me like it describes that, the walking alongside. Hmm. We're doing this together. So my last question really is, what about leadership have we not touched on that for you feels like maybe a missing piece there there's one thing that pops to mind is that okay i think where successful leadership comes in is when the leadership is very clear on the direction 
what is the vision? Um, and so where are we going kind of thing, being clear on that. And then taking the coach approach. So if, for example, if we want a mentally healthy population, what do we need to do to get there? So that's taking the coach approach. So we're clear on what the end point is. And the vision usually is something that you're not going to achieve overnight. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's the only part where I would want to emphasize is there is a place in leadership that leaders just need to be very clear on articulating what they need and what they want when they're leading people. And then once they're clear on that, the coach approach to leadership by engaging people in a conversation on the how to get there uh, is a very powerful way to move an organization forward. And when you say get clear on that, are you talking about clear with themselves, clear with the others? What exactly do you mean by that? Um, I think it's both. I think it's being clear as the leader um, that they have it clear, they have clarity in their minds as to what it is. But also, those that you are leading is to engage them in a conversation. So at the end of the day, we all have clarity and we all know we're singing off the same song sheet. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or? That's to me. <laughs> you know, but it's, that's to me. It's, that, it's, it's taking the time to be clear. And that's where I believe the coach approach to leadership adds significant value is if leaders will take a breath, step back, and ask some good questions that engage people in thinking. Because part of leadership, I believe, and is uh, being a thinking partner with those that you're mm. leading. So it also sounds like you're saying, and I don't have to know everything. Yes, <laughs> that's true. That is so true. You don't have to know everything. And actually, sometimes it's better, it's easier to lead if you don't know the details. Leave the details to those you've hired that have come with the skills for that particular component of the organization. Mm -hmm. Let them use and share and step Mm -hmm. into their abilities, capabilities, skills and talents. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would have said, oh, there's Bruce, he's at the top of this game, he's very successful, he is the CEO of a hospital. And that was in uh, British Columbia, uh, I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago. And um, you've been in many provinces since, at other hospitals, and now at Accreditation Canada. And one of the threads I feel like I've heard was that continuous sorting out what leadership really was for you. Uh, trying to yourself get better at that, adding skills as coaching and understandings uh, for yourself about, um, you know, what your value as a leader would be, uh, stretching yourself, getting into those vulnerable places and uh, being bold. And uh, I think that's huge. I, I know that there's a quote out there somewhere that says something like, you know, leadership isn't for the faint of heart. And uh, I think that's what we've been hearing uh, today as well. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's wonderful to hear that part of you. Well, and as you say that, what what I what comes up for me is that, and I share this with some of the people that I've been doing the leads learning series training with, is that um, none of us have arrived. We're all learning, and you know, it's every time a new person joins an organization, there's a shift, and it takes that being nimble to be able to adjust. When a new person joins any team, um, it adds new dynamics. So as leaders, we need to be nimble and um, figure out how do we engage them to be an equal part of the team only there, even though they are new on the team. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier. None of us have arrived. We're all still learning. Mm -hmm. And each time there's a change, um, whether it's a new member joining or somebody leaves, the dynamics of the team shift. And as leaders, it's to figure out how do we do that um, to move forward. And uh, that's where I think, again, using the coach approach where we actually have asked some good questions of each other. How do we want to move together collectively to go forward? with whatever the mm -hmm. It does make me feel better to know that I'm not the only one thinking I've still got stuff to learn. <laughs> uh, uh, but it is, you know, it is very nice to hear you talk about uh, the things that you think about with leadership and part of your journey and how you've really added uh, the coaching world to that. Uh, it is a new uh, tool and skill that um, many organizations know is what's going to help them continue to be successful as we move into the next couple decades anyway. Um, so thank you for all of that. What would you like to say, Bruce? I just feel very honored to have had this hour to talk to you. And uh, I just know you to be a very uh, ethical, humble, talented, lovely man. Um, and uh, just in a few, you know, I don't know, I think I've known you for about a decade. Um, and so, yeah, I've just really appreciated being able to, have this conversation with you. What would you like to say to sort of end, you know, this particular part of the story of Bruce, which is only a very small part? <laughs> I think I've sort of mentioned this at the front end that my passion is to see uh, people go and be who they want to be and need to be to be successful for them. And I think where leadership comes in is that if we learn to model the way and realize that none of us are perfect and we're all still learning, that um, we can learn as we go along because as the newer uh, generations come into the mix, um, they see the world differently than I do. But it doesn't mean to say that I'm right and they're wrong, that we learn from each other and I value that. Um, and I would encourage anyone who is uh, involved in leadership is encourage those younger ones to come on board because they make us think. And I think that's mm. very powerful. Yes, making that space for these new generations that are pushing us even more, which is awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, it's been great. And uh, if you get a chance to ever hang with Bruce Swan, you'll also find out that he's a very funny guy and he's a lot of fun to be with. So thank you, Bruce, for this hour. And uh, we just really appreciate it. Thank you. And you have a good rest of your day. Thank you, YouTubers. Yes. Take bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. So that's the end of that. If you're still here, you must be very interested in coaching, which is awesome. Maybe you even want to become a certified leadership coach, a CLC. If you would, check out EssentialImpact.com workshops for a full list of our scheduled programs. Not interested in accreditation? We get it. If you don't want to be certified, and you do though want tools for your leadership kit, our programs are the place to go. Our passion is supporting leaders with coaching skills for their own learning journey. And by the way, if you're from a registered charity or a not-for-profit, you won't believe the discounts we have for you. We appreciate the demanding journey leaders are on, and it's our mission to provide all leaders with the opportunity to develop and grow their coaching skills. Our passion is building coaching cultures with great organizations. Organizations such as TD Bank, Rogers, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and Joy Restaurant Group. That's just to name a few. Maybe your organization's name is going to be next on that list. If so, email us at info at essentialimpact.com so we can start that chat. Well, thanks for hanging out today. Looking forward to you tuning in next time. Love ya. Gotta go.